my lips, brand new taxes, starving all the billionaires and neutering their visa maxes. Topple Congress off their axis, mobilize the homeless, give them axes, call it praxis. Chop a couple limbs off the legislative branches, we'll show you the difference between air as a human right and guaranteed oxygen access. Octogenarians who barely know what day it is are culling countless citizens while sitting on a dais made of ignorance that was built on the graves of the slaves made to labor for its self-declared significance. And all to build a congress full of millionaires who make their fortunes insider trading while they shit on all the indigent. So I got a bone to pick with our leaders and I'll start with the ligaments. Pick right through the muscle, dig the marrow out, and serve it to the unhoused millions living in their minivans or watching their belongings get evicted from their tenement. I have a dream where we breach the walls of Congress and just let them in. And what happens next will survive in only text, cause there won't be any evidence. There will only be that heavy kind of feeling that pervades a space where there has been a reckoning and you can feel its remnants. Let any man who enters seeking power know that those who came before him suffocated on their eminence. That there once was a seal on the wall, but we quartered it and scattered all the pieces that it might prevent its semblance. And so we end the great experiment. We'll take all your billions, leave you two coins for the ferryman. Leave you drifting on a Dutchman floating derelict among the Independent left dot news. Independent left news. Indie left news. Independent left news. Oh yeah, and I get news from Independent Left. Thank you, Independent Left news. They actually put up posts of different shows, different things going on. Check out Indie Left. They're doing a lot of good things. They're on Twitter and Instagram, and they've helped promote our show a lot. Thanks for the work you do behind the scenes too. This man does our Discord and some other help, so I just love to shout him out. Thanks so much, man. Yeah. They kind of really do a great job of pushing. Thank you, Independent Left, for reminding me of that. Check out independentleft.news. Indieleft.news. Indieleft, shout out. Ah, uh, okay, uh, here we go. Hey, hey, everybody, wait, hold on, here's just Indie. Hi, hey, hey, it's, it is Sunday night, I'm a little bit discombobulated, but we're here, and it is We indie. both are. Like I said, oh, we're we're gonna show you in a second, but it's just me now. I'm just showing myself on the screen. Hi everybody, it's Indy. It's Sunday night. It's how did we miss that? Yay! Okay. Woo. Okay, so we have a lot of stories. Uh, Reef took the week off this week, uh, so we've got a much better looking host, and I want everybody to welcome in INN contributor and all around awesome person Stephanie Smith. Welcome to Indy Left News, and how did we miss that? You're live. Thank you. we, can see, we can actually see you now. You look well, awesome. Well, hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. And... It's just you and me. We're just going to talk for a few minutes. Uh, let everybody kind of get into the stream a little bit. Jesse was awesome. I see Colin's in chat. He was on with Jay Buffont earlier today. So, hi, Colin. Welcome. Do I still look crooked? I, like, really look crooked. You look crooked? I no, you, you, you don't look crooked. I'm you look framed in nice. Okay. You look good okay. to me. Um, Fish 
Eric. So Eric is here, and Frankie's here, and Crab is here, Greg's here, and Warren. I see Warren's here. Hey, Warren, here. Welcome, welcome. We have everybody Sunday night. Hey, Steph. Everybody knows and loves Steph already. Steph, uh, Steph. Okay, I'm gonna do a little a little spiel introduction in a second, but um, again, I just wanted to, to to give everyone a chance. Phantos here as well. Thanks for coming, everybody. Valerie, hi. Uh, yes, I want to thank, uh, that was Warren that cut that intro together a while back, uh, and, and we're going to do a little bit of an update Fanto's been working on. We actually have to pull out a vertical tweet. Fanto, I don't know if you did that, but hopefully we did. Um, so I'm just going to get right into it. So say hey, welcome everybody to How Did We Miss That? And How Did We Miss That is a show airing on YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, Twitter, Telegram. We're live on Telegram and Rockfin. That's going to be a whole new announcement. Sunday nights at 10 o'clock Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. Reviewing a few big stories that we hadn't seen covered much in leftist independent media. Co-hosted by me, Indy, founder and editor of Independent Left News and Leftist.Today and co-founder of Indie News Network, and then normally Reef Freeland, but this week we've got Stephanie Smith, activist, mom, organizer, awesome person, uh, and an INN family member, and I was looking for a co-host, and I said, why don't you come come do the news with me? She said, let's, let's do that. That sounds like fun, right? Absolutely. So all the stories that you see tonight were featured in our Substack leftist.today at the top of independentleft.news during the week, except for one story at the end that Stephanie picked, and I let her kind of choose one story to go through that's important to her and, we're, and definitely important to me as well. Uh, we are your number one source for left-leaning political news, videos, podcasts, articles, insight, opinions, showcasing left-leaning independent media free from advertiser influence. And before we get started, we always want to shout out the, the patrons and Kofi supporters and the volunteers and everyone that helps make this what this is. We've got Eric T. Red, who's actually in chat now, Kofi. We've got Richard and Richard M. We've got two different Richards, of course, every week. Nikki, Radical Leftist Agenda, and she's probably streaming out on, on Twitch right now. She may be rating us later. She may pop in. Hi, Nikki, and thank you for all your support and help. Noli D., who we did a show with last night. Love her. She's fantastic. Uh, we've got Robin During, Lady Dragonfly. We'll support her work as well. And we got a, a, a Kofi donation last week from Planet Claire. So again, thank you so much for, for Planet Claire for donating. And I have to shout out again the, the volunteers that, that help. Nicole and Darlene that help with the posting every day of the week. And Greg and the, the Big Mad Crab in, in the chat. He's, he's amazing. He's doing editing. He's doing uploading. He's doing... All kinds of stuff, thumbnails, videos, uh, a creative, and Jimmy. Yesterday, she, she Jimmy stumbled over at over at Kerberos. She helped out with a thumbnail for last night's stream. Alex Davidson for liking every Substack post. He's still doing that. Thank you, Alex Davidson, wherever and whoever you are, because you never show up and answer my emails or anything. But thank you for all your support again. Um, how do we miss that clips on Rumble? Still are getting their own channel, but they're going to be a day after. They get posted to our new Rockfin channel. Again, yay! We're live on Rockfin. So, we're live on Rockfin right now, actually. So, if you go to, and it's pinned in both YouTube chats, rockfin.com slash indleftnews, which is the same extension as wherever you're probably watching us now, except maybe Telegram. Rockfin.com slash indleftnews. You can follow for free. You can premium subscribe. You get all the premium content on the platform. Not only was I approved and started a Rockfin channel, but also the lovely, wonderful Tara Reed also was approved and started a, a Rockfin channel. 
So please, by all means, go to rockfin.com slash tarread. I'll drop all this stuff in the chat at some point tonight when I'm not going crazy and reading and 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 hyped and energetic like you can hear me right now. I'll probably need a sip of coffee too. Um okay, so that's that's my I think that's about everything I wanted to get through as as the intros and the thank yous. Oh, uh also, wait, last week. Oh, I I'm sorry. This past week has been a little busy. <laughs> so, in addition to getting the Rockfin channel, which was awesome, um we went on Misty Winston's new radio show on TNT Radio. And that was a blast. We spent an hour talking censorship and platforms with her. Then we ran our INN member live stream on Wednesday, and we invited a new member and had a impromptu live performance from that new member, Jesse Jett, new musical director for Indie News Network. <clears throat> Thanks to Jesse Jett. Shout out. And then Thursday, I had an interview with Hardlands Media on their exclusive Rockfin channel that will also apparently go out to Can TV, which is public access TV in Chicago. That's really cool. Friday night, Jesse joined Reef and I for Reefer After Dark on INN and on and on his channel. So that was a blast. And actually, uh, instead of running boats after boats smashing into other boats tonight, we're actually going to run Reefer After Dark so that you guys can watch that hilarity. We could talk, you could see us talk cannabis and talk about and, and watch some Reddit cringe. And it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, and then again, last night on Rockfin and on all of our channels, as well as co-streaming to Noli D's channel and Blind Justice's channel, we did a two and a half hour stream with Mike, no, uh, with, with Mike Nelson from Blind Justice talking about his case and what's happened to him in the state of North Carolina, which is just awful. He's a disabled veteran who's been just persecuted and treated horribly and they're in debt and, and, and their case doesn't seem to ever end. It's, it, it's heartbreaking. It's angering and everyone really needs to be talking about it. And again, thanks to Mike for, for coming on last night and to, uh, you know, to everyone for, for watching and hanging out. Um, but yeah, so we've been busy and we're going to have a lot more coming up uh, in the next couple of weeks. We've got Misty booked for after the 11th. I also want to give a shout out to Misty for the 11th of April. Uh, I believe it's either the 10th or 11th. There's an event starting uh, with End the Damn Wars in D.C. They're going to protest on the two year anniversary of Assange being taken from the Ecuadorian embassy. I think it might even be the three year. Um, and... So they're gonna do. They're gonna protest live in D.C. Bunch of people getting together, renting an Airbnb. They're gonna do T-shirts and flyers. And I know that that Misty's renting a, a tent. They, there's a GoFundMe for that, and, and we're totally supporting that. Everyone, get to D.C. if you can, please, and uh, and support that. And free Julian Assange. Congratulations to the Assange family for, for on the wedding. And. Uh, Awesome. Awesome, everybody. Thank you for being here. Thank you for everything that everybody is doing to support this show, to support INN, to support independent media. And uh, now I've done a lot of talking. I'm going to I'm going to welcome Stephanie in and give her a chance to just kind of introduce herself, talk about like kind of what's important to her, what she's doing here, why she's in INN, how she met us all and give a little story. So I'm going to put you on the spot, Stephanie. Go ahead. No, I don't do good on the spot. <laughs> Stop. Um. Okay, this is kind of sort of my first like live live stream, so please forgive me if I'm a little awkward. Um, but um, I'm actually here to um, 
honestly, to help out, of course, INN, and um, to represent uh, women. We need some women on here, and uh, there are a lot of things going on right now that really need to be talked about that are not being talked about in the mainstream media. Uh, a lot of um, indigenous women are disappearing and being uh, found murdered. And we're going to um, get to that story later tonight, for sure. Um, yeah, um, but um, honestly, I'm just here to help. Uh, this movement move along and try to keep everyone's spirit up so they don't lose hope because it can be heartbreaking. Every disappointment feels heartbreaking, but we literally, we cannot give up. We have to keep fighting the good fight. Yep. That's, that's why I'm here. I'm here to fight for everybody. Well, we appreciate it. We appreciate and speak it. for those who can't speak for themselves. That's what we're all trying to do. So, uh, I want to get to our main screen now, and you can hit the doodly doop. I go to a thumbnail, and now we can see everybody here. And now you'll be able to still see Stephanie. What I'm seeing here, and this is th this screen and this window is what everyone's going to see. This is independentleft.news. Okay, this is the current edition. I didn't even curate or update or move it around today. I've been so busy during the day, I barely even got a chance to look at it. Um, yeah. So this is about the I Minneapolis teachers. I can barely teachers. see it. Oh really? Oh boy. Yeah, I even have my glasses on. I can't. Even, I'm trying to see the chat. Oh boy. Um, okay. Let me see, because it's blown up pretty pretty good already. So I don't know how much more I can blow it up, but I can. Is that better? Is that any better? Mm, it's about the same, sir. Hmm. Uh, I can isolate to just the window. Hold on. I can I can fix that. One second. Uh, change windows and just share. I wish I could see the uh, comments. I would love to comment. How's um, that window? Oh, there we go. That's perfect. There Thank you, go. you. Okay, so now you can see what I'm seeing, and this is what everybody's going to see uh, next to us. So, right. uh, so this is the current edition. This. this is from today. It published and refreshes every day at noon Eastern. Um, you can see I had an interview with Kit Cabello last Sunday for Friends of or last Saturday for Friends of Indie Left. More stories, and then all the videos in the slider. There's hey, look at that guy. There's that handsome Colin guy. He's over in in chat, and he was on with JB earlier today. That video is featured in Leftist.today and, and in, in IndependentLeft.news. <clears throat> Primo Radical with with Colonel Wilkerson, and again there are dozens and dozens and dozens of video clips and live streams. And this is just over the last 24 hours. It's pretty unbelievable how much content is being generated right now out there. All the way back to, to Katie Halper, I think, who is live or was about just finished up live right now. now on it's top really of that, good that we're doing this because mainstream media doesn't cover any of these things that we're talking about. Yeah, exactly. That's, that, that's exactly why we're doing it. On top of that, you can even see... Our Discord framed in, so you can join our Discord. That's independentleft.gg. This is last week's episode of uh, of How Did We Miss That? So anybody who wants to go back or watch it live on our on right on Independent Left News, you don't even have to go to the YouTube channel, but you can click right there and you can you can go to it. On top of that, we also publish Leftist Today. Usually we publish this every day. 
uh, if I refresh this, there's actually a new post published because it is the post for this stream, where again, you can watch this live in our Substack. Here are all the other links to where we're broadcasting and streaming live right now. And then a, an idea, uh, a summary of some of the stories that were, what the stories we're going to cover, links to find and follow everybody, and to subscribe to all of our channels and pages everywhere. And usually what we, what we do with this on a daily basis is we are summarizing and grabbing the top six videos and top six articles that are on Independent Left News to, to give more of a showcase to the video content because it's kind of buried in that slider. But then we look at the, the, um, at the articles. I also grab a tweet from either the person who wrote it or from the outlet that published it or somebody who shared it that had a, a good thing to add on to it. So Caitlin Johnstone, you can see. So this one is just from yesterday. Uh, we didn't do one today. And look at that. We actually wrote that article last week. This is the clip and, and the substack from Indie News Network. And uh, we're going to talk about another article that I co-wrote this week with, with the dissident. So been inspired to write lately. It's been a lot of fun doing that. Uh, so just wanted to go through and show everybody what these websites are, where they can find them, and, and why we put them together and what they include. So everybody definitely go and sign up again, leftist.today or independentleftnews.substack.com. That's what this website is. Again, totally free to sign up. I don't monetize the thing. It's free to all. So let's go to our thumbnail and I'm going to get to our first story. Okay, we're going to switch the thumbnail and we're going to go back to the main screen. And this is one of my favorite stories of 2022. And it comes from Truth good one. and it is a good one because it, it reflects where so many of us are, right? It does. It really does. Okay. Disillusion with Dems and GOP, independents are now the largest voter group in the United States. Love it. Yep. Registered independent right here. <laughs> Same here. Josephine Lee Truthout, right? So they're talking about somebody here in, in Arizona, how, how where a drought has caused a shortage, a tier one shortage. Jeez. Well, you know, water is becoming a problem. And of course, the water shortage has been bill over overshadowed by the election fraud. Now, I wouldn't call it so-called election fraud, but still, they're spending a lot of time and energy on something that we're never going to, not never, but in this case, this one won't be resolved. We can fix things moving forward, but we're not going to continue to, to litigate and argue something that's already you know, two years old guys in office and we're already here. So, two years-ish. <laughs> I always say year-ish because it seems like a lot longer. Right? It's unbelievable. Um, so, yeah. considering the focus on election law, so they're worried about... So here we go. Independents now make up the largest voter group in the country. As of mid-January, 46% of those surveyed by a Gallup poll, and I always take Gallup polls with a grain of salt. Okay. Oh. But they identify as independents, while only 28% as Democrats and 24% as Republicans. They almost outnumber Democrats and Republicans combined. And then in other figures, I have seen that they do outnumber Democrats and Republicans combined, which is a good thing. The problem is, is you don't you get a lot of those people not showing up at the polls. But according to 2018, they're most likely to be younger, male and white, right? But yes. Well, well remember the last uh, primaries we had? How what? How how many showed up? Like 
the show out for the last uh, primaries was crazy amazing. But I honestly don't know if it'll be that way this time. Yeah. Just because the Dems have really, really, really screwed up. Yep. Well, yeah, and then they're trying to sell this turd like like they actually have done something. Um, exactly. Besides, besides a child a child tax credit and fourteen hundred bucks that was supposed to be two thousand. Um, and there are other things, you know, but but it's been disappointing to say the least when they had majorities and again rotating villains that they could easily strong arm and muscle but choose not to on a daily basis. So. So mansion. <clears throat> no, no, cinema. Yeah, I mean, but again, that's just a rotating <laughs> villain. That's just who they choose. This this time is going to play the bad guy, and they're happy to fill that role because it's going to make them wealthy and elevate their national status. I mean, word is Joe Manchin wants to be president someday, and he's got the money and the contacts and and the skills to do it. You know, uh, unfortunately, you know, he's got the the ruthlessness and. He's willing, to use, he's willing to use his political, whatever you want to call it, you know, his his political muscle and and and, and his influence to to actually change the agenda and affect the agenda. Unlike, I don't understand how one person can literally have so much power, like even almost more power than our president. Well, literally right. like he is the president uh, yeah. in a lot of ways because it's not passing without his say so i mean the president's exactly. gonna have to eventually sign off on it but it's never gonna make it to his desk without joe manchin so look at that biden's biden's approval ratings dropped 32 percent, almost in half since a since last april in a year all right yeah. and twice the number of republicans came out to vote for greg abbott than than beto oh god help us oh he's totally gonna win again it's no doubt Beto's going to get boat raced. I mean, it's, it's going to be embarrassing. All right. Republican oh. turn it, turnout exceeded Democratic by nearly 74%. It's guaranteed that whoever oh, wins the Republican shit. primary is going to win the Texas governorship. All right. Far greater Weird, than the 45% difference in the 2018 midterm elections. It's pretty unbelievable how much ground Texas Republicans have gained, even in spite of the freeze out that happened under Rick, uh, under their watch. As Rick Perry went to become the energy secretary or, or and completely butchered it, um, it's pretty ridiculous, right? So what does so then we we're talking about most independents polled are opposed to efforts to remove books from schools and a total abortion ban, um, and they align more with again I would say Democrats, but there are Democrats that are even look the, the Democrats are right behind banning and censorship. Now they were behind removing books from schools. Well, there are some fourth grade transgender things that people, are, even the Democrats and the liberals, are starting to get upset about. Okay, and and again, I call those purists. Right. So again, what this mm -hmm. means: while independents are opposed to culture war politics and and extreme political views, right? But right. Um, disillusionment with Biden among independence may result in low voter turnout rates for Democratic candidates. Hmm. That's that's about Captain Obvious right there. All right. But that's a really <laughs> that is a really important statement for people and especially the people that aren't plugged in and paying attention to understand. It's really, you know, 
I love that they just come out right out and say it. Independents could unwillingly pro propel Republicans toward a congressional. Well, it's not that they were unwillingly doing it. It's that Democrats aren't doing enough to earn the vote. If it, see how they put it. The framing of this is disgraceful. Okay, honestly, it's 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 exactly. a great headline, and then the article gets you angry because it's blaming independents already if Republicans win. Wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> How about taking yep. responsibility and accountability for not earning their votes? Okay, so here. absolutely not. Registered and independents. And being a woman, go ahead. Having being a woman in the uh, the Republican nut jobs that we have actually that are going to be in charge. It, it it's it's devastating news. I mean, it's really really devastating here in the South. I live in Arkansas. It's really really bad. So I mean, we have Sarah Huckabee Sanders running for governor. If that tells you anything, that's yeah. Welcome to Arkansas. Right. Well, again, uh, there. But but sad that there are independents, there are lefties, and and you're living there too, and. You're completely underrepresented, and that's what's angering me about this. It makes me ha happy, and it also makes me crestfallen and sad and, and, and angry because it means that while 46% of the country does not identify as a Republican or a Democrat, we have zero representation in Congress. None. Bernie Sanders caucuses with Democrats. He's basically a Democrat. Okay. Um, yep. Thomas Massey? Basically, a Republican caucuses with Republicans. We have no representation for forty-six percent of the country, All right? And and that's mm -hmm. what makes me angry. So again, what's amazing: thirty-five percent of the total number of registered voters in Maricopa County for the first time exceeding registered Republicans and Democrats. Wow, that's where independents actually can swing an election statewide. They make up thirty-four point two percent, just behind Republicans ahead of Democrats. But do they want to? That's the whole thing. I mean, and where's the trend can we get line? them to the polls? Well, where's the trend line heading? And that's that's what they're showing is that by 2036, 43% of the voters will be independents, whereas you have about 28 or 30% each in each direction, which again means that combined uh, that, let me see if I can blow that up. I can't. I, I, I can actually open it in a new tab. I don't want to do that. Open admin's going to do tab. Can I do that? Yes. Sorry, guys. I'm up. blind, even with my glasses. No, <laughs> that's okay. Now everybody can see it bigger. It's not just for you. Okay. There you go. So what it's showing, again, is that you have uh, Republicans that, that are trending towards 29%, Democrats towards 30%, and independents and third parties toward 43%, heading towards 2036 if the things continue the way they continue. And of course, nothing ever continues the way it continues. <laughs> so some uh, things, some things don't change like the Democrats, yeah, for instance, they, they unfortunately don't change enough. So now this, they're, they're going to go to an anecdotal story about one of many veterans who identifies as independents, right? 41% of Iraq and, Af and Afghanistan veterans identifies independent or third party. 36% is Republican, 22% is Democrat. Democrats are not any friend to the military, as you can see. Um, which is interesting because they give them an awful lot of freaking money for war. Uh, unfortunately, the men who actually do, and women who do the actual work, don't really get the money that they deserve. The people above them do, 
but you know, normal everyday soldiers, they don't get paid enough, right, at all to do what they're doing. They do not. It's unbelievable. So again, prior to this, McNichol served as a U.S. mechanic in in the U.S. Army. Now he works for Tesla. All right, he voted Green, Joe Stein, and Gary Johnson twenty twenty because they didn't support Iraq. Right, veterans are, are are for peace. We don't have a an anti-war party at all. Um, and promises McNichol, uh, he promises to build in. So what is he running now? Yeah, I guess he's running for for a, an office. He voted for this. Where? Yeah, actually, no, it just I shows saw that he's that. an independent voter. Right. Where he was started running. to observe that promises to build. Oh, he started to observe that promises turn into profits. Kellogg, Brown, and Root, right? Brown and Root's always gotten a whole bunch of money all the way back to the 1960s. They were uh, involved in Vietnam before the Kellogg's bought them. Uh, while I was there, I started hearing things like KBR gets $100 a bag for laundry. They got $100 for a plate of food, $6 a can of soda, all these inflated expenses, right? Nobody's keeping accounting or track of this stuff. So that's what got started to get him, him, you know, upset. And all these, both, neither party really, really cares, uh, is paying attention to any kind of accountability, right? So they're, out, they're out of touch with what the pe real people need. They're completely out of touch. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. They're all mostly millionaires. So some veterans of the Af Afghanistan war report, they feel as if they broke a promise the Afghans when they withdrew, right? And he found VA inundated and unprepared to help returning soldiers. Well, we've heard that a long time. The lag, the wait times being out as far as 18 months to see a doctor, which when you've got 22 veterans a day committing suicide is beyond disgraceful. Um, see, that's what I'm talking about. They don't care about the ordinary men and women nope. that fought for them. They are ordinary soldiers that do the fighting. They they don't care. And once they're out, they're done with you. Yeah, they're cannon it, fodder. It's yeah. it's really sad. Um, then we, again, so uh, again, I don't want to read the entire article. This is an awesome article from Truth Out about third parties and independents, independent voters that they interviewed described a rigged electoral system. Wow, where have you heard that before? We've t definitely been saying that. Okay, these voters. Okay, voters face hurdles at the ballot box. Twenty-three U.S. states close presidential primaries, meaning that an independent can't even vote in a primary for who the candidate's going to be in the general election. All right, thirty states require voters to declare party affiliation. You can't even declare as independent. All right, certain states don't even allow you to run as independent. In eleven states, here all half. More than half of all legislative seats don't have major party competition at all in 2020. They're basically already pre-decided pre seats where once you win the primary, you win the seat because it's overall, like in your district, most likely, I'm guessing, would be overwhel overwhelmingly Republican, right, Steph? Yes, definitely. So, we so, are extremely red. So all a Republican needs to do is win the primary, and you're basically skating to the general election to a win because you're going to trounce the Democrat in your district unless you completely mess up. And that's exactly. that's what they're saying, is that they're, they don't have major party competition. It is a safe red seat or a safe blue seat. 
And it that's is. a problem because it means that there's a large percentage of the of that population that's not represented, number one. Uh, and it takes a huge swing in, in population um, demographics in order to change that. And then you have gerrymandering on top of it and the intentional keeping it the way that it is because that's exactly how they want it. So you have independent voting and open primaries education fund who want to see voter registration without party affiliation. Right. I mean, it, why do we need to tell you who we're going to vote for beforehand? I mean, why can't That's we show nobody's up to business. primary? Why, why can't we show up to every primary, to the Green Party primary, to the to the and help him influence who we want as the candidates in addition to who we want to actually win in in the fall? <clears throat> it's it's beyond frustrating. Again, um so Independence began to see the control of the electoral process by two parties was fused with the larger economic and social circumstances in the country. Exactly. So it's you've got corporations that control the two parties, and they're effectively setting the narrative because they also own the media corporations that everybody sees. So they're setting what the parameters are. They're telling you who the candidates are. They're telling you which uh, it's it, it's A versus B and not A versus B, C, D, and E the way it is in just about every other country around the world. All right, beyond open primaries, those interviewed support electoral form reform measures, independent redistricting, top two or four winners and from primaries compete. That's uh, ranked choice voting. There's first past the post. Um, but ranked choice voting is what uh, California, Washington State, already have such a system. Maine actually, I think, just implemented ranked choice voting as well. Yeah, other support ranked choice voting already. There you go. So top two or four winners. I think that's first past the post. That's where, for example, in California, you can have two Democrats running against each other because those two scored the best in the open primary, which is also a better way to, to run things. Um, Though Republicans then are completely shut out, if the two more most popular candidates are Democrats, shouldn't those be to be the ones that everybody gets to vote on in the fall? I, I tend to like that. That answer makes sense to me. As well, again, for mainstream talk of all Latinos in Florida shifting their loyalties, Republicans. All right, data on independence represents a less certain picture. So it's, it would make sense that they would go independent. Because nobody wants to be bound by a certain party or certain ideology. They want to they, they be represented by someone who represents their views, regardless of the, the letter that's next to their name. And that's, Absolutely. again, this is independent left. That's exactly what we, what we talk about here. And again, independents now make up almost 30% of all registered voters in Florida. And that's going to exceed re Republicans and Democrats within, within a decade or about a decade. If we make it that long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hear you. Um, again, here's the trend line for Florida. And looking at the growth and the increase in independence. Again, you've got that, that yellow line is going from 26 to 28 to 31 to 34 and exceeding the blue line, which is the Democrats, and the red line, which is the Republicans. So in Florida, still registered Democrats outnumber registered Republicans. Thing is, is the Republicans get people to show up at the polls more. Yeah. Well, right. if the Democrats would keep any, and just one of the promises that they make, 
instead of just kicking the can down the road, then maybe, you know, people would show up and vote for them. Hmm. But they they don't. They don't. They don't care. Right here. And Republicans Republicans are just assholes. <laughs> and it's that we really don't have any cho- good choices. There are no good choices. Nope. Well, that's why we're we're trying to, to get more independents to, to put their name out there and at least balance out what's happening here and call out or the the two party duopoly and all the corruption that's happening and point out the the amount of corporations and who's who's actually buying and funding these you know the these senators, these representatives, at, at definitely the national level, but even at the state level, the governors looking into their donors and their funding and exposing who their donors are as an opponent is is crushing. Um, look, you had a, a guy who was supposed to be the next speaker of the house a few years ago, um, unseated by an unknown because the ties that he had to Wall Street were exposed and regularly ta- uh, routinely talked about uh, in in campaign ads in primary and he lost that was um uh Eric Cantor out of Virginia uh, but yes both corporate parties definitely do suck Frankie thank you um Gil to address your question independent meaning that we are independent of either party we are independent of advertisers as well and we are independent of platform because we scream and we are everywhere um so, uh, again, this guy supported Joe Biden because he wanted to get the other guy. I didn't even want to say Trump's name. Biden made a lot of promises and then failed to follow through. So now I'm independent, effectively. Okay. Yeah. And then not happy about, wants to see government address climate change, opposes Florida's don't say gay bill, which we're mm, definitely opposed uh, to from DeSantis. That, yeah. That's that. That's crazy. That That is just, like, crazy to me. That That is how... I don't understand how they can get away with this. Uh, I I don't either. It's not exactly framed that way, and all the Republicans will yell at you and say it's not exactly that. It's it's just this and that, but it's discriminatory. And yeah, I mean, it's again trying to put people back in a closet that that don't belong there or don't deserve to be. Or yeah, no, hundred percent. We're that's not where we're at. Um, so right. politicians using Florida's children as playing cards, pawns, of course. All right, uh, so talking about both Republicans and Democrats, we are disillusioned with both parties. It's not just about Biden. It's Democrats. You know, Republicans suck as badly as Democrats. Okay, this guy's from Georgia. His hometown is lacking in educational opportunities and job mobility, right? Of course. And and now Ludovici, uh, now that's in that's in Georgia with a population of only 25, less than 2,500, 56% white, 36% African-American, votes largely conservative. And the Democrats abandoned the community when they believed they couldn't compete for the vote, which is what they do. Okay? They only back the districts where they think they might even have a fighting chance uh, rather than building a base or a foundation even for the next election cycle. Again, short-sighted because every four years you have a whole crop of 18 to 22 year olds coming in that have never voted before that all tend to have the opportunity and and tend to vote to the left and for independents and third parties that's what this was pointing out with the latinos 
I won't say Latinx. Just shout out to Angel Rodriguez about Latinx. Um, Thank you. <laughs> Tumas Rodriguez's state statements echo the findings of September 2020 survey by Politico, our favorite, among Gen Z voters. <laughs> All right. Almost half of Gen Z respondents said that they voted more against Trump rather than for Biden. Wow. There's a shocker. Really? Uh, we didn't know that. Yeah. Biden sucks. <laughs> and so does Biden. both parties suck, Johnson. That was, again, one of the best speeches in 2020. I don't know what the hell happened to that guy, but that, that speech was unbelievable. 42% um, of Gen Z identifies independent. Now, what happens, again, over time is they get polarized by TV. They get polarized by cable news. They get polarized by their job, by their community, by their church, and influenced. Family. And they, and they go from being independent now, when they're younger, to affiliating with a party and kind of aligning with an ideology and identifying either as Democrat or Republican. That's what it's traditionally been. Now it seems that it's changing. Again, I'm one of those people that it's changing for. I'm a Gen Xer and I have been independent. I voted Republican very early on. I lean left now and uh, I, I vote independent. I vote green. I'm done voting wow. for Democrats forever. I, I for, did not know that. I voted I voted you. for the first George Bush in in 1992. That was my first wow. election. I was I was young. So <laughs> I was young and I didn't know any better. That basically, you know, when you're 18, <laughs> a lot of times when you don't have a political ideology, you basically vote the way your parents did or or how you were raised. And and exactly. that's, that's how I got started. Uh and then I had an awakening and got into the workforce and talked to other people and people who were struggling and people who from all walks of life where you maybe, maybe not so much when, when I was growing up. Um, and it broadened my, my whole horizon towards that and opened my, opened my thinking to the point where by the time I was even 20, 22 or, you know, 24, 26, I was voting very differently and already starting to vote independent and do write in candidates because I knew that both parties suck. All right. And, and I, I hate that waste your vote write in candidate. Guess what? All these states, for the most part, are decided anyway. So write in candidate. Go ahead. But write in mm -hmm. Mickey Mouse. Tell them, tell them how bad you think they all suck. <laughs> all right. Um, here, black. If, if, again, you ain't black if you don't vote. If you if, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. Or if you vote for Trump, right? More than a quarter of black voters. Right? Of course, Biden said that. Right? That was one of his things. He said it to Charlemagne the God. Right? But more than a quarter of black voters registered as independent. And maybe looking for an alternative to both major black parties. Talk to our friends over Rev Revolutionary Blackout Network about that. Sabi Sab, shout out to Nick, Socialist MMA. Follow everybody over there. That's exactly the the demographic that they're talking about here. African Americans who are not represented by either party and are angry about it. Um, okay, President's approval rating among among black voters declined by again twenty percent. So this is this is a really in-depth article by by Truthout. Again, keeps going and going and going, and it, it uses anecdotal. Okay, it also talks about how third party okay lack access to voter rolls and funding. The two parties have they often are facing legal challenges, like the like the Greens getting kicked off the ballot in Wisconsin and Pennsylvania in 2020 to try to level the playing field for. Democrats, although people that tend to vote green won't vote Democrat, and that's what the statistics show. Okay, here we go. Regrets his vote for Clinton in 2016, and he is a chair of the Green Party Allegheny chapter, Matt Neiman, 27 years old. 
parents voted for Trump. He's not down with that. He sees what's going on. That neither party has delivered. And both parties are in bed with corporations. Both parties that tells you something when our, the younger generation seem to be more intelligent than their parents or, um, you know, even older people. I mean, that tells you something right there. And here they're showcasing independent, making a bid for, for seat in, in third congressional district in Tennessee. So we totally support independents running for office. Again, we're, we're not crazy about the electoral system, the way it's structured because of all of the hurdles and obstacles that are against independence. But we still need independent candidates running. We need independent candidates calling out the corruption of the, the two major party candidates. We need independents making noise. Because if we're not, then they get all the airtime and all the space. And that's what I love. Here, look at this. Fed up with wealth inequality, childcare, healthcare, underfunded schools, affordable housing. That's why we need people to run. People who are inspired by that. People who aren't millionaires. And she's not. And we definitely need, like, local. Everything from dog catcher to senators. Right. To, to vote local. That, that's so important to, to know is to vote local if you want any change. What's, what's her right. name? Amber like, Heisel. Bless you, Amber High. So I don't know if she was on the RBN third party uh, in summit last week. If not, I will definitely introduce her to Compton J and make sure that she gets some some airtime and some light with with RBN and and with our space for sure, because we want to lift up independent candidates that are calling out the duopoly. Again, we don't expect them to to really challenge for the seats at least up front, but at least to to knock down the corporatists and and expose what they are. And let people know how dirty these people are and what their motivations are and what they're doing behind the scenes and who's funding them and why they're doing what they're doing. I think that's really huge. And, and I commend that still. Um, it's a Sisyphean task to push that rock uphill, knowing that it's going to roll that back down on you. But, but somebody has to do it. Again, just like what we're doing in fighting a multi-billion dollar corporate machine, a narrative management propaganda machine. That's what we're doing every day here. We're fighting that machine and we know that it's probably going to be impossible, but yet we do it every day because what the hell else are we going to do? Somebody's got to. All right. So that's us. That's the first story down. I know that one took a little while and thank you so much for sticking with us on that. That was a lot of fun. Um, it's a really you. good one. That was a very, very, very good one. Thank you. And I want to I want to check in on chat and say hi to whoever's here. It looks like we have 11 people watching live uh, across platforms, plus a couple people on the Rockfin. Thank you so much for anybody who's I on Rockfin watching. I wish I could watching. see it. Oh, okay. So uh, Human Love Solidarity is here in the chat. And Frankie Lee saying vote independent or write in your name. Now, what I can do for, uh, for you, Steph, is if you can see – oh, no, you can only see that screen. Sorry. I was going to try to put you up on, on my OBS, but uh, Democratic Party is not the Lords. The people with the money are not wor right working behind the scenes. Gil Gordon, thank you so much for being here. How much is money spent per year on lobbyists? Way too much. We need to outlaw lobbyists. We need to outlaw you know, private money, private financing of elections. We need to outlaw all of this, this bribery that's happening. It's outright open bribery happening in plain sight on a daily basis. Um, yeah, they don't care about hiding it anymore because they know they can get away with it. 
right? It's scary how brazen these people are now. It's, it, it's crazy. It's, it, it's scary. Like, like they know they're not going to be held accountable for their actions. Right. So, you know. So I'm going to move on to our next story. First, I do the thumbnail. So we do that. And that way I know to edit. And now we'll go to the two of us with the screen. Yay. Okay. This is working. Ooh, beautiful. Oh, here we go. And we've got Human Love Solidarity's chat right there. All right. So the next story is robots are coming for the white collar jobs. So not only have they come for the automation and the factory workers jobs, now they are coming for the more white collar jobs the office jobs, the, and that's what we're going to read about here. And this is by Jim Hightower from Other Words. Jim Say Hightower. Something is, just one, go ahead. Wait. Go ahead. Um, okay, so first it was immigrants for, you know, white collar jobs. And now it's robots coming for white collar jobs. Yep. This is just, this is, this is nuts. This is nut job stuff. I mean, yeah. Um, okay, well, well, I'm wait. done. I just, I just. Well, wait. Just, you know what? Honestly, like <laughs> some of this, you, you kind of see the graphic in the robot. I feel like that's me in a way because <laughs> I'm on my phone. I'm on my computer. I got charts in front of me. I got notebooks open. I got three keyboards and two mice and a stream deck and seven screens. So tell me how that's not me right there. I just don't have a robot head. I have a human head. Totally. But I do have that many and arms. And a tie. Right? Or a tie. Right? No, I don't wear a tie. I definitely don't wear a tie. <laughs> so again, in corporate speak, there are no job cuts. Instead, firings are blandly referred to as employment adjustments. Oh, I love that. All right. Jim Hightower, he's... This guy writes poetry. And again, this is not a short article. I will uh, actually, oh, it looks like it is pretty short. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. So we'll just go through it pretty quick. Okay, fire employment adjustments. Now the corporate wordsmiths will need a whole new thesaurus of euphemisms for the corporate massive job cuts coming in the higher echelons of the corporate structure. Listen to that word speak. Robot process automation is coming. All right, where... RPA, uh, you build a bot, costs less than $10,000 a year, and it takes out two to four humans worth of work. Saves you $200,000 worth of salary, benefits, and puts four, two to four people out of work simultaneously. So they were worried about pushing automation. But ironically, fourth industrial revolution type of stuff, they manufactured consent for a reason for everybody to have to stay inside, to move towards automation, to, to move towards computerization, to move towards remote work, to move towards figuring everything out online. Okay. But it's also discombobulated the workplace, diverted public attention that corporate bosses have been emboldened to rush ahead. Because, and I work for a global company that is a little disconnected. If you can eliminate some of the lack of communication that's happening across uh, divisions, mostly because sometimes because you're not walking and bumping into each other in the hallway and say, hey, Bob, what are you working on? I don't know, John, I've been checking this out. Look at this. And there's none of that happening where people aren't bumping into their colleagues and talking about just what they're doing. And there's a lack of ingenuity happening. There's a lot of things happening and they're looking at, well, how do we 
recreate some of that. So we think any business process can be automated, right? Two thirds, half to two thirds of all tests are being done that can be done by machines now. And I would say that half of what I'm doing right now in publishing and posting and collating and aggregating can be done by machines. The problem is that the other half can't and that that half is dependent upon a human to actually either look at something, make an adjustment, have a thought, and then make a decision and push a button. And what they're talking about is now that decisioning engines will be coming out of robots, and that's going to be the next level of technology. So conventional corporate see, wisdom, it's gross. It's that's scary. dangerous right yep. there. That, that's when you get into AI, like literally like, like the movie mm -hmm. with Will Smith. All right. We haven't yep. hit the exponential point of this stuff yet. And when we do, it's going to be dramatic, but it's already coming. Uh, iRobot, not AI. I was thinking of iRobot. Um, oh, no, you're right about that. Uh, I was actually seeing some AI dogs, automatic dogs, uh, now that uh, the New York uh, City police are trying to use uh, automated oh, yeah. dogs. Yeah, the robot dogs. They, they're also using them yeah. in Hawaii uh, to, to work with the homeless homeless people there. Uh, houseless people and to, I even saw one administering shot a COVID shot which is as scary what? as all hell yeah there's a picture of a co of a robot dog giving a COVID shot to a houseless person in Hawaii 100% I definitely saw that I just saw it on this show with Reef I don't know weeks ago months ago see sure. that's how much they care about they're coming for us all they're homeless so, I mean, so next level automation, Jim Hightower, other words, definitely subscribe to this publication. And this was featured in Nation of Change. Nation of Change is another aggregator that does some amazing work. They, they focus a lot on environmental stuff, on election stuff. I know Robert Reich and a couple of, mm, we would call them shit living guys are also there, but um, excellent writers as well. And a lot of good stories come out of Nation of Change. So big, big fan and supporter of their work. So check out and support nation of change independent and uh and they're bringing in again outlets that you don't ordinarily see they bring in stuff from inequality.org and they bring in stuff from um uh, open secrets and again kind of like us showcasing other independent uh websites that that spotlight corruption so We'll go back to us, and I will flip to our next story, which also are is a little bit about the workforce. Let's do that. Uh, thumbnail first, and now we go to Starbucks. And again, our one of my favorite writers um, and favorite journalists is Sharon Zhang from Truthout. She is definitely a member of the All Star team. Um, there's there's about twenty or twenty five writers that are pretty incredible. Um, and spot on I, I'm most a of the time. Uh, and it's not even necessarily truth out specifically because there are a lot of people at truth out that I'm not a big fan of necessarily. But Sharon Zhang specifically, I can read a headline and tell you that it was written by Sharon Zhang. That's how good she is and how much she's a standout above most of the writers there. And again, they have a great writing staff. They have John Neffel. They've got William Rivers Pitt. They've got other members. And again, I, I know these lineups like I used to know baseball lineups. It's pretty amazing. Uh, how I just transferred my love of sports to a love of journalism and a love of news and a love of, uh, of, of writers and outlets like this. 
Okay, there so again, Sharon Zhang Truth Out. Give her a follow at underscore at Zhang underscore Sharon on Twitter. You can share this article, but Seattle Starbucks workers, I buried the lead, have won unanimously voted to form a union. So Starbucks unionization has been happening, and this is something that Brief and I have been covering basically since we started the show. Um, one of the main focuses of of how do we miss that has been labor and the organizing of labor against the bosses and against corporation. We've been covering strikes, striketober and strike vember. And we've, you know, we, we participated in the general strike summit. I was one of the first people back last summer to start calling for a trucker strike. And you saw what happened in Canada earlier this year. Um, we are big fans and advocates um, for using the power of labor to bring corporations and the bosses to their knees and to get equal fair share pay working conditions and and living wages for all workers um and respect and and exactly and and, and digni dignified treatment i mean some of the stuff i mean think about the frito-lay strike for example that happened this summer um and I'm frozen on the Starbucks thing, but but even during the Frito Lay strike, these guys were working 84 hour weekly shifts, 16 hour days, and they were required to do it. Basically, go home, sleep, eat, and come back seven days a week and no days off. Well, that's just that is that's to, just so to wrong. Make, to make Doritos and Fritos, like come on, man, come on, man. <laughs> so. Uh, Starbucks. I love my Doritos, not that much. Oh yeah. no, we, we definitely have been boycotting Frito Lay in this house for a while. I know they settled the strike, and we want to support the workers uh, by actually having products that Frito Lay can sell. But uh, we definitely would look to support local um, companies that don't exploit workers nearly to that level if we can on on our chip <laughs> selection. That is true. I have so, boycotted Starbucks. So again, in, in the Broadway and Denny store in Seattle, downtown Seattle, nine to nothing, the workers voted to become the seventh location with SEIU affiliated workers to, to unionize. So of course that's Seattle is Starbucks backyard and they just rehired Howard Schultz, their old CEO, who's also no, a notorious union buster. And again, uh, Sharon, Sharon's killer. All right. Broadway and Denny store filed to unionize is a popular location for corporate employees to visit on their way to work located located in Howard, Howard Schultz's home district and only 10 minutes by from, from HQ. So that's, that's big. Um, and while they've been using, like I said, uh, aggressive union busting tactics in other parts of the country, it treated pro union employees with much more respect. Well, that's good to hear. Um, while they tried to union bust by singling out individual workers during the first weeks of their, their campaign, it stopped abruptly after a month, which was great, which it was really jarring. It's a, it's pretty amazing. <laughs> they just kind of gave up and were like, all right, you guys want to unionize? Fine. Because they realized that their customers are unhappy hearing that their workers are not able to, to have collective bargaining. And Starbucks treats their employees okay, but if all these people are voting to unionize, there's a reason why. So when you have the, the group and there's an entire process to go through and filing with the NLRB um, in, in telling that you intend to, you, know, you have to, to get union cards and 
there's an entire process, like I said, and uh, and I'm I'm just proud that these people are going through it because statistics and studies have shown that collective bargaining against these corporations, they workers end up treated better, paid better, with better benefits than workers that don't collectively bargain with an employee with, with an employer and with private employers. Okay, but Mesa and Memphis, almost all the organizers, they fired a bit of color. All right. And that's pretty interesting. So they're 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 saying that there might even be a racial element to that. Right? It sounds um, like it. Workers condemn Starbucks for union busting course. There's a right side to history and a wrong side to history. And right now, Starbucks is on the wrong side of history. Can't uh, can't agree with that more. Yep. Right. Like Arkansas is a right to work state. So yeah. we're we're yeah, it's. But still, nationally, nationally, you can still have unions, I believe. Um, even even if it's a right to work state, there's still the ability, I think, to unionize in the state. I, I'm pretty sure that um, Amazon well, workers sure. were talking about that, but but we'll, uh, I'll definitely look into that. But this is okay. pretty interesting. Uh, Shelter's preparing to take over for Kevin Johnson as interim CEO, and. Workers have said that he's being brought in specifically because he's anti-union. All right. Several in locations at a roastery were unionized in the 80s, and then it was decertified in the 90s when he was running it. And then in 99, he described unionization as a personal affront to him and his leadership because he's not a benevolent enough king that the union that the workers need to organize against him. is. He sees it, again, as a personal insult, and that is just arrogant obnoxious and ridiculous at the same time while he did build a help build a business whatever but he did it on the backs of all these workers and uh there was plenty of starbucks workers that would tell you that they were not necessarily taken care of okay so in a letter to schultz sent by bernie sanders he called on them to stop union busting and obey the law so again they're still doing this right now it's happening in memphis it happened in buffalo i mean the buffalo starbucks they, it was it was well documented all the things that they were that the corporation was doing to try to discourage them from unionizing. So, good on Starbucks workers in Seattle. We encourage and want to see more of this. If the workers want to organize, okay, to take power back from management, okay, we're we're also fan of labor owning the means of production, and co-op worker co-ops okay. and and different structures. Uh, stakeholder vested interest 100% um, and, and not specifically accountable to you know where they're also sharing in profits and and their labor is actually getting them you know they're, they're participating in the gains that their labor is is yielding so that is the Starbucks story which is really kind of heartwarming and exciting that they're starting to get some traction against the corporation so that's us. Uh, next is kind of a, a, a not so fun story. Uh, again, I'm going to go back to thumbnail and now we've got, oh, wait, wrong one. Uh, I'm missing one. I, I, I just closed the wrong window. Hold on. Hold yeah. on. Uh, I just saw it. Yeah, I know. This one. There we go. Oh. Okay, so 
It's from Jake Johnson, again, another member of the All-Star team, one of the best writers, and Common Dreams has, in my opinion, the best team of writers overall, top to bottom, in the business. Uh, it's close, and it's getting more and more com competitive. Mint Press News does some awesome work. Consortium News does some awesome work. Common Dreams has a much larger staff, it feels like. Um, and again, I can name seven, eight, ten writers out of Common Dreams who are just top-notch. Jake Johnson is one of the leaders of that, for sure. So, report rings alarm over private equities grip on home health and hospice industries. And I don't think this is any surprise to anybody who's been watching here, who's been paying attention on the left, but I love that they're, that they're calling it out and they're writing an article that everybody can really read and understand. Let me see if I can blow this up a little bit more for you. There you go. There you go. So, private equities buying up companies, right? Extracting as much possible as a profit as possible and often with disastrous consequences. So in recent years, according to a new report, PE firms have increasingly sunk their teeth into the fast growing home health care and hospice industries because the parasites need to, to, to profit off of our, off of grandma and grandpa and the growing baby boomer uh, generation that is now coming to retirement and needing all kinds of, of home health services. So, and this is something I'm going through personally. My grandmother went, is going through this personally yeah. right now. I think everybody, just about everybody, either knows somebody or is related to somebody who is going through it right now. Okay. Due to increased demand, stable Medicare, Medicaid reimbursement schemes, home health care, and hospice services have increasingly been provided by for profit companies provided by PE stakeholder projects. As for pro, as for profit home health care and hospice companies have become more profitable, PE firms have turned to them as reliable sources of revenue in the healthcare sector. Right, right. So very, very benevolent. Unfortunately, they've been linked to lower standards of care compared to their nonprofit counterparts, including but not limited to lower number of visits to patients by healthcare professionals in their final days of hospice, higher rates of hospitalization in home health care and poorly paid yet highly stressed employees in both sectors. I don't think this is a surprise to anyone. We covered the Wisconsin healthcare system, and those are actually not-for-profit uh, hospitals where they actually stopped employees for one day from going to the other hospital for a better job because it would have meant that the trauma, um, they, they would have lost their status as a, as a level one trauma center, which would have hurt their community. So a judge actually stopped them from going to the other hospital. Reef and I covered that a few weeks ago. It's pretty amazing. It, it happened. It was resolved within a weekend. So it happened on Friday, and then by midday Monday, they were able to go to their new jobs. But the fact that a judge was able to stop somebody from privately going from one hospital to another is insane. Um, again, uh, I hope my mascara is waterproof, because this one is... Yeah. one. <laughs> Yeah. So again, private equity investments in nursing homes uh, has come under scrutiny again. And I think that, that David Sirota, the Daily Poster, did some amazing work in exposing what happened with Andrew Cuomo in the nursing homes in New York and talking about um, the waiver, the immunity waiver that they had built in for the COVID stuff. And initially that immunity waiver, the model and template for that was when COVID first hit in New York, nursing homes that are run by private equity firms, they pushed that through and made sure that they had uh, li liability immunity 
from from being charged with anybody's death due to COVID and exposing them to COVID. Yeah, here. How many grandmothers and grandfathers died because profits were prized above lives with our taxpayer dollars funding this? And he's right. Bill Pascrell, who is a local, one of my local reps, he's not my local, uh, my, my representative, but I think he represents my, somebody I, I, I'm related to's district. Analysts have suggested a growing mistrust of nursing homes, right? All right, so what we're looking at is home-based healthcare, where you've got family taking care because the people that work there, while they're doing all they can, they are overstressed and they're, they've cut the number, the, the number of beds, they doubled the number of beds that each person has to operate and to, to look after. And you push the bell and you push the bell and nobody can come because there's nobody monitoring the nurse's station because they're already taking care of somebody else because they have too many patients to look after. And yeah. why? My or, my nothing. aunt works at a nursing home, at, at a nursing home. Hmm. And a lot of this is going towards private equity profits. And that's, it's an even less regulated space because it's private. All right, the nursing homes, but this home health care, at home health, at home hospice. And now again, private equity is starting to dip into this division and provide nurses and aides. And again, they're going to understaff them. They're going to overwork them. And unfortunately, the money and the power that they have, and that's what's been happening. You see BlackRock and you see um, a Vanguard. These are the, the two largest hedge funds that have been buying up a lot of these companies. And you, then you have KKR, Col uh, Colbert, Kravis, and Reigns, I think it's called. I think it's the name of it. Um, but you've got these these massive hedge funds again. So here, right for the taking, hospice payments. Medicare accounts for 85.4%, Medicaid for 5%, managed care or private insurance 6.9% in hospice payments. So you've got a large um, private insurance, managed care, private insurance. That's 7% of the puzzle alone. That's, that's tons of money. And then others, including charity and self-pay, is only 3%. But you've got, again, hospice payments are mostly coming from Medicare. So they know that the government, Medicare, is a reliable payee or a payor. So they want to get into wherever you can get Medicare and then bill the government for whatever they can at Medicare rates because it's profitable. And they figured out a way to make it profitable because they squeeze the workers. They squeeze the salaries. They squeeze more people into more beds. And they and then they, what they do is they don't even offer full-time work to a lot of these nurses so they don't have to pay benefits. And the nurses are paying for their own health care, and they can't even go to the That's, hospitals that they work at. That is terrible. Right. That so, is disgusting. I mean, what did I just say? It's Col literally disgusting. Colbert Kravis, KKR, right? So here's uh, Bright Spring, uh, uh, which is a client hit her head twice before dying in 2016, once when a wheelchair wasn't properly secured in her company van, and another time days later when she fell out getting out of bed due to, due to lacking rails, which she required given the damage sustained from a stroke. And it's because not enough people are paying attention. Not everyone has a patient advocate. Not everyone has a family member that's fighting every day for them. And God bless the people who are those patient advocates because without a squeaky wheel, unfortunately, sadly, a lot of these people are, are treated horribly. And it's, you know, 
Live your, whole, live, your whole life to be, live your whole life to be treated like dirt and, and, and end up poor and giving all your money toward these private equity firms to have, I mean, these, some of these facilities, eight, $10,000 a month in my area, um, for managed care live-ins. Um, yeah. and, and again, and, 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 and they're paying it. So it took all of my grandmother's money, all of it. All of my mom's money. And it still wasn't enough. She had to finally get Medicaid to have them right, take so the care guy, of her. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. My uh, my mother in law is on Medicaid as well because uh, she's she's worked her whole life and had no you know, her savings completely gone and, and no retirement and she's living off social security and and her health care needs to be, you know, she's on Medicare and Medicaid and and look at this. Oh, Blackstone submitted false claims to state Medicaid programs for non-invasive ventilators that patients didn't use or were not medically necessary. How much did they make there? Right? APRI is engaged in practice known as dividend recapitalization, which is used by private equity companies to enrich investors at the expense of underlying businesses. And look at how much they paid its owners and investors and executives. Oh, $460 million paying out by taking on $400 million of new debt. Now, this is something that we've seen private equity firms do for decades now. Uh, capitalism literally killing. That's right, Frankie Lee. Thank you. Um, but there's actually a movie called Barbarians at the Gate, and it's about the first uh, leveraged buyout that happened and about these private equity firms and how they got started. And what they do is they buy a company like... What Eddie Lampier did with, with with Toys R Us, for example, or uh, uh, Sears, I'm sorry, Sears and Kmart. So what Sears and Kmart did, Sears bought out Kmart and then decided to sell it to a private equity firm who then loaded it up with a ton of debt, hundreds of millions of dollars. They paid out uh, the private equity firm in consulting fees and management fees, hundreds of millions of dollars. And in the end, the company went out of business the pension fund got looted and the employees were left holding the bag. It happened at Toys R Us. It happened at Sears Kmart. It's happened over and over and over again over time. And this is one of the things that these leveraged buyout parasites do. Private equity. And now they're doing it to the home health industry. So Sorry, sorry guys. This is hitting a no, bit no, close to home. Okay. So uh, I'm, um, I'm sorry for... Yeah. Uh, for, oh no, no! It needs to be. It needs to be discussed. It's no. important. Yep, yep. It's very important. So, what they're talking about is transparency laws, strengthening transparency laws, requiring changes in ownership, control of home health care and hospice companies to be reported to federal government. So, a lot of times when they buy it, you don't even know that they got acquired by a hedge fund, and all of a sudden you just start seeing services cut and hours cut and. People start getting let go and replaced with lower wage people, and all of a sudden your culture's gone and changes almost overnight. Uh, and we've seen that happen too. Um, so he also recommends prohibiting or limiting dividend recapitalization, of course, strengthening regulatory oversight. So these are some of the things that we can do to private equity to to stop them from doing this. Of course, Elizabeth Warren held in, held hearings, reintroduced new legislation titled the Stop Wall Street Looting Act uh, to combat private equity. But of course, we know that most of Congress is bought and owned by private equity. So that's really 
window dressing going nowhere and done designed as a campaign slogan. Um, More lip service. Thanks, thanks, Liz. That's not very nice. Wait, oh, was that was that a snake noise, Liz? For Liz, what? I, what? I didn't do it. Yeah, uh, we didn't do that. Uh, what happened here? I'm losing the the chat on Twitch, so I can't put the chats up. Ah. Okay. Anyway, um, Gil Gordon, we have a lot of people here. Were they shooting pool? Final word for me, all or well. Thank you, Gil Gordon, for hanging out. Appreciate it. Take care. E. Heller, Frankie Lee, thank you. Okay, so we are going to now get to next my story. Uh, I co-wrote a story this week with a dissident, uh, another INN member uh, who remains anonymous, sort of like I do, but even more so because we don't even we we've never even like heard heard the dissident's voice. We've only seen seen them write, and uh, pretty badass dude. But uh, let's go. Ah, what did I do? Whoa. Hey, thanks, Pasta. What did you do? I, I hit the wrong button and I went back to the theme song. Okay, so now we're going to go to... So what happened, I was inspired because somebody on Facebook sent a message to me and said, you know, are all progressives in the U.S. pro-Russia and pro-Putin? And... I started to write a response and I guess it triggered me in a way, you know? So rather than just uh, respond to, to this person via DM, which is what I did do, I then copied that DM and response and pasted it into a Substack and built upon it, expanded upon it a little bit. And next thing you knew, it started, it started to turn into an article and I sent an, a copy of it to, to our friend, the dissident, and he decided to append it. He's like, you know, this is really good stuff. And I'm like, I was going to add this link and this link and link in this. He's like, I can add some stuff in there, too. And next thing you know, we had a co-written article published by the dissident. And go follow the dissident. It's the307.substack.com at uh, leftist underscore news 12 on Twitter. Definitely hook him up. And now he's got a Patreon, so definitely you can hook him up with a with, with some weed money if he smokes. I don't I think he does. Anyway, Indie News Network. And of course, me, Indy, uh, we we published this together. <clears throat> so uh before we do that, I just want to refresh one thing here. Uh, which is the Twitchit thing mm -hmm. here. I have to admit it's a very well written article. Well, thank you. But um we might have a few differences. You can, you can disagree. You can disagree with opinion. me. And that's good. That's that's what we want to have that conversation about. Okay. Now I'm able to put this back up on screen, and but for some reason it's not continuing to to scroll with the chat. So, so my answer here is to uh, to this person who asked about are we pro pro Russia and pro Putin. The answer is is that we are not pro Putin. We are anti war. Okay, and of course, Putin did invade, but there are reasons for doing that. Um, and that, and again, this is this is where I was writing this as a response, and then this was appended and enhanced. So this is also the dissident's words. But I'm gonna I'm gonna straight straight up read it out. We don't see Russia as any more guilty than the U.S. who helped create this problem in the first place, trying to be the world's policeman when we can't take care of our own. 
were opposed to sending billions of dollars to the Azov Battalion, a Nazi militia that's officially part of the Ukrainian's National Guard. This happened after Joe Biden helped install a far-right puppet government in 2014 with Victoria Nuland and company. As the BBC reported at the time, the far-right nationalist group Right Sector played a major role in the Maidan coup. A now-deleted article in Foreign Policy magazine dug up by Aaron Maté uh, said that the, the uncomfortable truth is that a sizable portion of Kiev's current government and the protesters who brought it to power are indeed fascists. These far-right forces were funded by the U.S. government's cutout, USAID. This coup also led to a bloody civil war between the Ukrainian government and Russian-backed separatists, where 80% of civilian casualties occurred on the rebels' separatist side, according to the United Nations. This is, of course, not justification, like we said, for Russia's invasion of Ukraine, which is illegal and has killed innocent civilians and has caused 3 million people to flee the country. This is simply an analysis of the well-documented events being ignored in the mainstream media that led to the current invasion and crisis that we're wit witnessing. So after the overthrow in 2014 of the Yanukovych government, audio was released that showed them that then Assistant Secretary of State Victoria Nuland handpicking the politicians that would make up the new Ukrainian government. Because of this, many in, because of this many in the Obama administration used this new puppet government uh, for their own personal gain, how do you think Hunter ended up with the Burisma job? With experience on a gas company board for $50,000, $60,000 a month? No, he, he had no experience in the gas industry at that point. Why are people simply accepting the narrative being sold by paid shills for big corporations at face value? When the U.S. government lied to, to us about everything in Iraq, they lied about everything in Afghanistan, and all of that's come out long after the damage was done. The Afghanistan papers were devastating about the fact that there was no mission for years, and they just continued it mostly to benefit the defense contractors and keep the military getting their $700 billion a year. Why would anybody be encouraging this? We certainly are not. So... Anyone who thinks the United States' involvement in this war is for noble or humanitarian reasons is naive, to put it nicely. Biden so far has killed 13,000 babies in Afghanistan with crushing sanctions, and he's continuing to fuel Saudi Arabia's genocidal war in, Ye in Yemen. Okay, It's clear the U.S. intentions are to drag this war out as long as possible to weaken Russia's army. And as journalist Jonathan Cook said in a piece from Impress News, that the U.S., by contrast, wants a long proxy war of attrition, covertly supplying Ukrainian forces, indifferent as to whether they're nice ones or neo-Nazis, to bog Russia down in years of a difficult guerrilla warfare and counterinsurgency. Okay, that's actually very similar to what happened in 1980 with Afghanistan initially, when we funded the Taliban to begin with and gave money to Osama bin Laden. Yes, we did that in the 1980s. Okay. Yes, that we did. So uh, what we wanted, what, what they're talking about is, is you know drawing war, Russia into a long local proxy war, spending money, resources, time, diverting away, and and weakening Russia's position globally. So this strategy was detailed by Ned Price, who said that he was against Zelensky's openness to a dim diplomatic situation because the war was bigger than Ukraine, and as. The U.S. is clearly pursuing a proxy war over a diplomatic solution, okay, as Dave DeCamp of, an, uh, of Anti-War put it, that instead of pushing him to declare neutrality, the U.S. continues to arm Ukraine. Why? Okay, we know that they're going that they're going to get crushed. They can We cannot supply them with enough weapons, and unless we get involved ourselves personally, they cannot possibly 
defeat the Russians. It's it. They don't have the military. They don't have the people. They don't have the the equipment. They they don't have the technology. Okay. They aren't doing too bad so far. Well, uh, that it depends on who you ask. So when asked if the U.S. is counseling Zelensky on negotiations. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said Monday that they're in touch with Ukrainian officials every day, except that she also said that we're going to effectively send more weapons into the war zone. Not that we're brokering a peace, a peace process. We're not ha we're not even having discussions of peace at all. And Blinken confirmed that on Tuesday. So we know Putin doesn't want peace, though. We know he wants all of the land, you know, that, that was the Soviet Union. He, he wants all of that. Well, I, I don't know if that's necessarily what he wants, but he want, he definitely declared that region, the Donbass region, as an independent nation a week before he did this invasion and basically warned Ukrainians and said, look, if Ukraine, if you can stop this Shelley and you can stop this from happening, but if you don't stop, you know, uh, attacking this region, we're going to go in, and we're going to we're going to stop you from stopping them. Um, and that that's a lot of the argument that's happening here. On top of the fact that NATO has continued to expand eastward, etc. And and does he want to rebuild the Russian Empire? I don't know. What he wants is NATO to not be involved with Ukraine, and for Ukraine to be at least a neutral zone, if not rebuilding. And not again. I don't think he's looking to take over all of Ukraine. He wanted to have Donetsk. He wanted to have Luhansk, okay, and not even have. They are mostly Russian area that wanted to be part of Russia, though they are Ukrainian right now, okay. And just like with uh, Crimea in 2014, when he annexed, when they annexed Crimea, there were people in Crimea that that were fighting to be part of Russia, okay. And again, there, there's people saying that he funded the separatist movement and caused that unrest, just like we we cause unrest everywhere else around the world. I'm not saying this guy's benevolent, and nobody's ever said that he was. What we're saying is, is that we've caused a lot of the problems to force his hand to the point where he had to, to do something. So when we attempted a coup in Venezuela, Russia sent hundreds of troops to stop the overthrow of Maduro, and by stretching this war out as long as possible, by flooding Ukraine with weapons and crushing Russia's economy with sanctions, the U.S. sees an opportunity to take out an obstacle to its regime change goals. And which, because that's exactly what happened, okay? It's the same thing with Syria. We're trying to do one thing. Russia's trying to do the exact opposite and make sure that we're not undermining an, uh, a, a democratically elected government that isn't friendly to the United States, which we have done repeatedly all over the world. Okay, and here's, here's something that I wrote, because some of this stuff was written by the, the dissident. This was word for word in the DMs, the sad truth is, is that it breaks down to a lot more nuance than just one side bad. All sides have gone wrong. It's about what we do now that we live in now so that we live in peace, so that everybody moves forward equitably, so that the United States is not threatening Russia with all of our bases everywhere outside their country. What, the, what Russia does not have is bases surrounding the United States, but we have bases surrounding their country. What was that? Was that Reef or was that your son? Okay. No, that was you. Uh, that's not even to make mention, like I said, of the Nord Stream 2 gas pipeline between Russia and Germany that was about to go operational, that we were desperate to stop as a country, nobody else. And we actually are benefiting now because the cutoff of Russian gas and uh, th that was going to be sold into Europe, we're now starting to pick up the slack and sell that to Europe at a much higher price, by the way. But now our, our, our oil, our gas companies, our LNG companies are actually selling 
more. So it's costing Europe more money to, to not buy from, from Russia. Okay. Or, for example, the expansion of NATO to add 14 countries east of Germany in the past three decades, decades when we committed back to Gorbachev that we would not expand one inch east of Germany. But we've continued to do it, and we continue to push the bear and poke the bear and poke the bear. And what do you think? What do you know? The bear roared. All right. So. We did. Multiple stories. We really videos. did. Yeah, we really did. <laughs> Okay, multiple stories and videos initially coming from Ukraine that were debunked as old footage. And that was another article that I wrote and that we covered here where they were showing um, uh, photos of kids saluting tanks and they were trying to engender all kinds of sentiment. Um, and it turns out those are from 2019, 2016. Zelensky in a bunker with all the, the, the gear on was from when he did a checkpoint stop in 2021. Had nothing to do with this war, but they were selling as if he was sitting on the front lines hanging out with soldiers. Not true. And they were selling a narrative, and they're still selling a narrative. And it's the same narrative that they sold as Andrew Cuomo two years ago. The sexy guy. See, I didn't know that. I, that, that. That I did not know. Mm -hmm. I, I honestly did not know that. Mm -hmm. about um, Zelensky. I, I didn't know that. Oh, there's a ton about Zelensky and the fact that he actually was played a, a he's an actor in the country who played the role of the president in a TV show in Ukraine that kind of and then four years later ran for president and won. That's Zelensky's story. That's how he ended up as their president to begin with. At least he hadn't dipped out like Afghanistan's president did. I'm in well, the middle there, of the night. <laughs> there were actually questions of whether he did skip out and go to Poland, but he's still there apparently, and he's still meeting with Putin, and he's still trying to negotiate something, although he's not really empowered to negotiate anything. I don't know what he's doing. Um, yeah. I said there's questionable narrative story being put around Brett Renaud's death at a Ukrainian checkpoint, and we covered that last week And How Do We Miss That? All right, in the dossier. Yeah. And again, he's talking about how he was tragically killed. All right. And immediately the, the, the story and the narrative coming from all corporate media was he was killed by Russian, uh, by the Russians. He was killed by some kind of missile fire. And uh, they definitely did it right at, right down to denouncement from Boris Johnson within one hour of it being announced. And the whole thing to me sounded like a cover story was being put up. And sure enough, they talked to the guy who's in the car with him and it came from gunfire. It didn't even come from a missile. And turns out there were no Russians in the area. It was an area that was controlled by Ukrainians, and it happened near a Ukrainian checkpoint controlled by Ukrainians. Who killed this guy? It wasn't the Russians. And that's what this article is saying. And again, where are you going to hear that on mainstream media? Nowhere, because they want you to believe Russians bad. And that's what this whole thing is saying. We are not pro-Putin. We are not pro-any of the... Look, pro Putin's an oligarch. He's a billionaire also, and he's a spy. He's a freaking gangster. He's a spy and a gangster, correct. Like, he's not a good dude. I never I never thought and, and purported that he was a good dude. Um, yeah. No world leaders are. And again, the other thing that bothers the hell out of me is for 30 years, this guy's been around. But all of a sudden, in the last two years, in the last year, in the last couple of months, now he's Hitler. He hasn't... It's the narrative around this. It's it, it's universal, and if you don't believe it, then then you're off the island and you're canceled with with most of society, and it's really scary. Noli's here. Hi, Noli. Welcome. Okay, so like I said, um, so recently there's been a dangerous escalation that suggests that NATO may become militarily involved if Russia uses chemical weapons. But they set that up as a false flag. They said, well, if there's chemical weapons, then it's got to be Russia. 
right? Sounds just like Syria. Biden recently. Yeah, I was going to say, sounds familiar. Right. Biden recently said that they would respond if, if Russia uses chemical weapons in, in Ukraine. This is reminiscent of Obama's famous red line comments when he said that they would militarily intervene in Syria if chemical weapons were used. And then we saw 2018. OK, again, Charles Glass of Harper's Magazine said it was an invitation for a false flag. And sure enough, three days ago, they're talking about chemical weapons, white phosphorus. We're starting to see it here now. And it's yeah, right. OK. And that's exactly what happened. Again, like I said, most notably in Duma, where Trump bombed Syria after an allegation of a chemical attack. And later, the whistleblowers within the chemical weapons watchdog, the OPCW, released a censor report to WikiLeaks that suggested that the attack was a false flag. Okay. Leaked documents even included an engineering report that suggested the alleged chlorine cylinders were manually placed pointing to staging. This is in the assessment by Ian Henderson. So Biden is invoking an invitation. How are we supposed to know what's real and what's not? That's I what mean, they want. At this point. They don't they don't want you to know. And whatever they tell you is real. That's what they want you to think. And don't question I mean, it. But it's a real question for everyone watching. If y'all have an answer, please, you know, help me out. Because. Right. So, yeah, intelligent, yeah, uh, Tyrant Slayer Studios is saying that the intelligence agencies lied to Trump before that bombing. Okay, Noli, welcome to the chat. Also, Valerie's in here. Frankie Lee. Uh, who else have we got in here? We've got E. Heller, Bacon, the Mad Crab is still hanging out. So, we've got about 15 people watching. Plus, we got four on the Rockfin. Hello, welcome to Rockfin. Thank you. And welcome to How Did We Miss That? This is a news show where we cover some articles. And actually, I wrote this one, co-wrote this with our Indie News Network teammate, The Dissident. Everybody go and check out IndieNewsNetwork.substack.com. You can sign up. And all the Indie News Network members have access to be able to publish, to write, and to uh, to upload their videos and to and their podcasts to this platform. And they usually have their own Substack, as do we, as does The Dissident, as does Tara Reed, our sister in INN support Tara Reed and go to her Patreon for sure. Patreon.com slash Tara Reed. Throw a couple of bucks if you can. Uh, she could really use it and she could use the love and support. And we, we love and support her a ton. Uh, she's going to be doing live streams on Rockfin, by the way, and all other platforms starting on Tuesday. And she's going to be doing a regular weekly Tuesday show we're going to be helping her out with. And that will be co-streamed to Indie News Network, which we're really excited for. So um, our next story... I kind of bear, I kind of jumped the jumped the gun a little bit there, but I'm gonna go to a you and me talking. So that was my article and my little take. So I don't think that we disagreed very much or that we argued. Um, no, we didn't. I just my honest belief is that I don't care who maybe created the situation or whatever. The situation right now is that. Ukraine is trying to defend itself against an invasion and more power to them. I mean, that that's just my view on it as far as like right now, people are dying. Yeah, we put them and, right in the middle of this thing and they're essentially standing in front of bullets for us because we don't want to and we right. don't want to get into a full out war with Russia. And that's right. that's what's bothering me and what's disgraceful to me about this whole thing. Um, it, it is. It's sad. But and, you know one thing I'm worried about 
is all this coverage about Ukraine, I'm beginning to wonder what we're being distracted from. Well, we're being distracted from what's happening in Israel-Palestine. We're being distracted from a, from a war in, Sem in Yemen. We're being distracted from all the operations that our military is doing in Somalia. We're being distracted from... From, from whatever's at, going on in congress uh, right uh, absolutely yes from, from the the corruption in congress and distracted from all the different unionization efforts that are happening and trying to basically control narratives and then set what the parameters of what's acceptable conversation um the arctic right. wars are just starting according to human love and solidarity and how how appropriate and how apropos that you would say that because our next story after we go Say, say goodbye to Tara for a second. This is our beautiful Antarctic ice shelf. But, oh, my God, wake up call. Antarctic ice shelf the size of L.A. has collapsed. Ah! <gasps> How did we miss that? Oh, my God. I've told you. Distractions. This is what they're distracting us from. We're all going to die. <laughs> okay. Andrea Possibly. Hermanos another member of the all-star team. And I have to say that in the last two months, I think I featured more Andrea Hermanos articles than just about anybody else on how do we miss that? She's been outstanding stepping up. And one night she I had, definitely got to check these people out. She posted, she wrote two articles in one day for common dreams that were both, that could have been both featured number one lead articles, outstanding stuff. You, I don't know if you know how hard it is to write this, this kind of stuff and pump it out on a daily basis. And, and, and the kind of dedication again, just, they're such a big fan. Um, I'm sorry, uh, Noli. Noli wants to send her money and, and she don't have cash app and she says F PayPal. Well, Noli, you can always hook it up. You can always send it to me and I'll hook her up. Uh, I think we are getting Tara set up with the cash app. But like I said, uh, I, I don't want to chip out our, our friends in the Arctic and talk about climate change and the Antarctic. Oh my God. An ice shelf the size of LA, right? So... Mm -hmm. While humans are killing humans, governments are spending on weaponry. Uh, the environment is collapsing so that there will be no tomorrow. That's Giannis Varoufakis. Of course, we know him very well from DM25. The collapse, as Guardian CNET reported, occurred around March 15th. During that week, an unprecedented heat wave hit the region. We knew that it was like 90 degrees, I think, at one point. 40 degrees Celsius above normal which is crazy. And you still have people who don't believe that climate change is real. Yep. And that we, as humans, affect it. I mean, I know we can't stop climate change, but we can help slow it down. Yeah. But. Sure. Um, the outlets pointed a tweet, uh, pointed to a tweet with satellite imagery shared by Catherine Walker, an Earth and Planetary Scientist, the Woods Hole Oceanic uh, Institute and NASA, right? Complete collapse of East End. Uh, watch this. Am I allowed to cuss on here? Yes. Holy shit. Yeah. Uh, what did I just do? Here. So, this whole thing just. Jesus. Yeah. See that piece Christ. right there? It just disappeared, broke right out. Jesus. Yep. And then this too. Here's another picture of it all just bloop, falling right in. But, but yeah, yeah, climate change isn't real. It's all just a hoax. Now now here, um 
Steph Lethermit of the Delft University in the Netherlands, of course it's Delft in the Netherlands, on Friday shared time-lapse videos of the change. You see the whole thing. Bye. Bye. So Antarctic ice sheet expert Bertie Miles also provided historical visual context. The collapse in recent days is the end of a long-term multi-decadal demise of the ice shelf. The image below shows its extent in 73 and the red line were joined with the Shackleton ice shelf. Most of the loss could, took place from 73 to 2000. And this is all gone now. We're in trouble. We're in big trouble. Okay. Iceberg C-38 calved or broke free from the Conger ice shelf. C-38 comprised virtually all that remained of the Conger ice shelf, which was adjacent to the Glenzer ice shelf, which calved last week as Iceberg C-37. Floating tongues of glaciers that extend over the ocean... And the slow rate at which Antarctica's glaciers contribute to global sea rise by holding back the flow of, of ice into the sea. I don't know who, who watched An Inconvenient Truth back almost 20 years ago, would you believe Al Gore did a movie about this? And basically talked exactly about ice shelves and Antarctica and sea ice versus floating ice and sea level rise. And pretty much exactly what you're seeing here was exactly what was predicted in that movie. This ice shelf may have been fall, but it is in East Antarctica, which is particular, yeah, which is considered less vulnerable. And what that means is that even the areas that were pretty stable, they're not very stable. George Monbiot uh, pointed to a need for systemic changes to a, to address climate change. Chef will push planetary conditions into a new state, and they're talking about if if we lose West Antarctica, sea levels rise two feet. Coast coast gets re coastlines get flooded and maps get redrawn literally oh shit and islands disappear we knew what was happening the writing was on the wall yet we continued opening oil fields driving suvs leaving homes uninsulated it's Ugh. It, so, it, it's this is what i mean by it being this is what it means by like when i what i meant by it just sometimes it just feels hopeless like everything we do isn't helping anything. Right. Yeah, it just well, seems like it. Well, but but I'd rather we keep know on than bury it. And a lot of people want to bury it, and they don't want to even know from it or see it reported upon. And mm -hmm. and not only is is this one, uh, this is from Are We So Screwed? We are so screwed. Uh, I also want to give a shout out to Aaron Brockovich. Okay, a day of visibility for water. I don't know if ever anybody knows, but March 22nd, two days ago, was World Water Day or this week. Oh. So learn more about the basics of groundwater, which is necessary for drinking water, sanitation, our food supply, and a natural world. And I'm not going to go through this whole long article because it is long and extensive, but I think it's really important. Okay, here we go. What always runs yet doesn't walk, often murmurs but doesn't talk, has a bed but doesn't sleep, has a mouth but never eats, and it's a river. So she's she's like clever. Erin Brockovich, you I know, like she's that. she's she's an advocate. We've got our own Erin Brockovich in the chat here, Noli D, who goes out and helps people that are in trouble with, with the law and with, with law enforcement and 
Complete accountability. I really top love to stuff. meet her. She's fantastic. Yep. You'll definitely be meeting her soon. INN family. Um, so about 50% of the U.S. alone depend on groundwater for their drinking water supply. Yet most people don't know the basics about this resource. What is it? Um, how do we get it? How do we harvest? How do we? It, it, it's amazing. I mean, again, this is a, a long, extensive article. Why should we care more about it? 70% of the Earth's surface is covered in water, which we know. 96% of it is saline, and less than 1% is drinkable, potable water. All right. Surface oh, water and groundwater are the potable water and then stuff that we have to treat and filter in order to even drink it at all. Yep. Groundwater is overused when more water is abstracted from huge aquifers, right? Like a uh, huge problem like uh, and in crop, in, in watering crops. In some cases, we don't know how much groundwater lies beneath our feet, which means we could be failing to harness a potentially vital water resource. Okay, exploring groundwater will be central to surviving and adapting to climate change. The only thing I don't want to hear is drill, baby, drill. I don't think Aaron Brockovich oh, is going to advocate for drill, baby, drill, but how do we regulate it? And that's a great question. So this is about regulating it and, and what the criteria the EPA has and what they're what they're looking for to determine if it's What safe. I worry about is them trying to privatize. Oh, well, they're, they're definitely doing that. And they're already, Wall Street is doing like water futures and stuff. It's, they know yeah. that this is where, I mean, Kamala Harris kind of let the cat out of the bag earlier last year that she said basically the next, the next frontier will be fought over water. Um, that is just, that is just, yeah. And the fact that Flint, Michigan still. Yeah. Still has. Doesn't pipes. have plain Nope, still doesn't have clean water. Seas Nestle, one hundred percent. They're getting they're getting Michigan clean water for free. If the EPA establishes a regulation for a contaminant, then public water systems need to comply with it. But if the EPA decides not to regulate, then it may issue a health advisory, which is a non-enforceable federal limit that serves as a technical guidance for federal, state, local officials. Officials, but let's take a moment to get clear: we have enforceable and non-enforceable regulations. Okay. So these are MCLs, maximum contaminant levels. And she talked about this flame retardant and fire retardant chemicals that are actually getting more into the public drinking water. And MCL is, a is the legal threshold limit on the amount of substance allowed in public water systems, according to the SDWA, Southern Something Water Association. Legal? Legal. Legal limit substance allowed. Okay. Oh. Per on. milligrams of drinking water. Right. These standards are set by the EPA. Okay. They first look at what levels of contaminant can be present with no adverse health issues. And a lot of times they we don't know about it until it's already killing people or getting them sick to begin with. All right. right. MCO goal is set as close as possible by the goal, but the system is not perfect, as she says. Sometimes they'll establish a treatment technique instead of an MCL. Again, and this is really oh uh, that I guess that's about it. Um uh, instead of an MCL, which is a procedure that most uh, must be followed to treat water as for a contaminant, enforceable, and it's not perfect regulation, but both MCLs and TTs are known as primary standards in EPA speak. They set standards yeah. based on the science available. However, the science is a little old or whatever. Maybe they know studies are coming out soon that says a contaminant could cause cancer, so they set a goal or a health advisory and not an MCL. It's just interesting and again, she's just educating us about these things, and I'm grateful for her. 
Would you believe, okay, Aaron Brockovich, major motion picture made about her. Julia Roberts started her as her, right? Ready for three? I know, I was wondering with that. Watch this. How many likes are yeah, there on this post? Three. Three. Nobody sees this stuff. I don't know why. She's got a pretty good following on Twitter. But for whatever mm -hmm. reason, this blog, this Substack gets very little love. And I'm a big I fan. wonder. I wonder if maybe she's getting suppressed. Yeah. Maybe, but yeah. she's she's a blue check and she's friends with a lot of blue checks. And right now she's mm -hmm. actually tweeting out support of Ukraine on a daily basis. And I think she's buying into a lot of the liberal mainstream narrative about what's happening and how one-sided, you know, with the one-sided coverage and it's all Ukraine, Ukraine, Ukraine. Well, what about all the Russian citizens that, you know, they, they've now had... The sanctions are off. killing. The, well, right, the sanctions are killing that we've cut off from the rest of the civilized world, uh, you know, from the Western world. I wouldn't say civilized world because they're civilized too. But, but that we have forced this upon Russian citizens that didn't ask for any of this. Exactly. Um, so, um, and... I hate to do this to you, but I know I know that uh, it's been a long a long night. And I know you were pretty emotional. I'm gonna I'm gonna offer you to do the story you want to do, if you want to cover it. If you don't, I totally understand because it's been a long night already. But I have everything yeah. queued up. Hmm? Um, I'm not sure if I'm ready to do a full thing. That's this kind of being my first. That's why I'm asking. That's quite all right. Live stream, so uh, maybe a practice first, and then I can come back on and we do a, you know, we can do a full uh, discussion about not just the indigenous women missing and being found murdered, but also the attacks on Asian American women. Yes. Yep, and, and, and what happened to the woman in New York City. I do want to bring up this National Geographic article that Stephanie shared. I'm going to put it in the chat, uh, the link in the chat, so everybody can go and take a look at it, and we will cover it uh, next time. Uh, I'll cover I it I would either. like to say one thing about this. This Nobody woman... Says she loves you, by the way. OMG. Oh, thank you. This woman went into the police station and literally just asked the police officer, you know... She wanted to find out if her daughter was dead. First thing he said to her was, did you know your daughter was on drugs? It was a transient. Those were the first things he said to her. Oh, my God. Not even like, um, oh, wow. Yeah. And then she just said, I just want to know if my daughter is dead. I mean, like, literally. And those were the first things he said to her. I mean, that that is just, that is sick. Yeah, please please go read this article and and talk about this story and and be aware of what's happening to the indigenous community and, and to the indigenous women who are disappearing. It's happening and not just being indigenous. Found murdered. Look, look what what happened down in Fort uh, in Texas. Uh, I believe it's Fort Hood, where there's been several issues and incidents. Um, what the heck is the name of that? That there's another thing down in again women. Men, it, are, the, men are the single greatest threat to women there are, and men are, are also the single greatest threat to men. And uh, it's, it's shameful and embarrassing at times, and that men can't handle rejection, can't be adults, can't be whatever. It's just, it's so angry you and know, frustrating. Sometimes and women, you know, I'm, I'm going to give women, men, you know, they do. Women can sometimes be just as terrible as men. 
Yeah. All right. I, 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 I'm going to cut it off for tonight again, and I'm going to I'm going to go back to just you and me. Okay? okay. And and I will I will take this off the screen and and just go to you and I so that you don't even have to watch this. We'll go back to Indie Left say? News, and uh, I will turn on on the screen so that you will watch Monitor One, uh, in piece in in here. Okay, change windows, and I'm going to switch to screen one. And this this is the broadcasting software, so you can now see that. Okay, so we're just about done for tonight. However, we have a treat. Uh, I'm going to, after Stephanie and I leave, I'm going to run the Reefer After Dark from Friday night as our boats uh, smashing into other boats segment. So everyone will be able to check out the hilarity of Jesse Jet joining Reef and I and uh, and watch some Reddit <laughs> stuff and watch some <laughs> So some brain bleach because I know we need some brain bleach after this tonight. Um, again, I'm I'm gonna say thank you to everyone for being here, for hanging out with us, uh, to Rockfin, to Noli D, who love 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 Stephanie, can't wait to hang out with you, and we're definitely gonna thank make that you. happen. And, and to Tyrant Slayer Studios, who's here, and to E Heller in chat, and and again. Uh, uh, Frankie Lee, Green Wiccan, our friend, and 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 Big Mad Crab, and everybody, thank you again so much. Uh, follow follow all of our stuff uh, on Rockfin, on YouTube, on Twitter, uh, we're everywhere. You know that um, we're going to be doing some stuff this week, and we'll announce all of that. Um, and again, clips will be going out to rockfin exclusively first for 24 hours and then we will release them on youtube and everywhere else for free and make it available to everyone for free on rockfin as well so uh thanks again and i am going to say good night and we are going to do i've never done this before and i actually set up a whole new capture so we're going to try this uh we're um, going to go to a real screen. quick go ahead stephanie thank, yeah, i'm going to give you a chance so thank you everybody for the support, uh, especially with this being my first time, um, and any advice you would like to give me, I, I am open, and I appreciate every one of you, and please do not give up this fight. Where can they follow you, Stephanie? Where can they get in touch? Uh, just under Stephanie Smith Beauty, um, usually on Facebook. On Facebook. But you I know, haven't been on Facebook in a while. At, I, I can't deal with the people. I think you're at Stephanie underscore Smith 4 or Stephanie UD4. What's, what's your Twitter? Yeah, it's Stephanie Smith dash E-U-D-Y. But I am trying to get the last name off of there. <laughs> gotcha. Stephanie Smith it is. Um Yes. Yes. Gotcha. Noli says, love you fuckers, and we love you too, Noli. You're the best. Uh Noli, yes. we I did get that for Tara. We're we're gonna we're gonna get that over to her. She hooked us up. And uh you did amazing for, for your first live stream. Again, uh we were on a live stream together actually with Tommy Nation back in the summertime. It was one of my first live streams, and uh again, just so Thank grateful you. for you being here. You did phenomenal. Um <laughs> and, and you're a great co-host. And Thank oh, hey, you. kitty. Hey, kitty. And, and again, uh, good night, everybody. <laughs> Follow independentleft.media. You can find all the links uh, on our link tree and um, hang out and watch Reef after this. So, good night, everybody. Let me actually cue this up. Let's, let's go to studio mode. Now, I'm going to go to a thumbnail. I'm going to turn the audio off and live.